We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. episode 417 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, October 10th, 2022. It is Columbus Day, 2022. Columbus Day in honor of Christopher Columbus's arrival in the Americas in 1492. 1492. Well, 500 years later was 1992. Uh, That was the last calendar year in which the Redskins won a Super Bowl. And the way that things are going right now, it may take another 500 years until our team's next Super Bowl. Uh, You know, Columbus had his three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Uh, Well, the commanders this season have more wins than Columbus had ships. That is the question for this Columbus Day 2022. Hello and welcome to this Columbus Day 2022 Commander's Post Game Show installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Columbus Day and already the Commanders have dug themselves a sizable hole, dare I say grave, uh, regarding the NFL's 2022 regular season. You know, we in the NFC East have the Philadelphia Eagles now at 5-0. and we have the New York Giants now at a stunning 4 and 1. We have the Dallas Cowboys now at 4 and 1, and we have our Commanders at 1 and 4. Our team is by far the worst team in the division. Our team is arguably the worst team in the NFL, and our team has another game in just a few days. Hey, who's up for some Thursday night football, Amazon Prime style. Uh, the 1-4 Commanders at the 2-3 and three Chicago Bears this Thursday night at 8-15. A 21-17 loss for the Commanders to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Coming up on the show, in-depth reaction to and analysis of what the heck happened. And there's a lot to sort through, uh, from quarterback Carson Wentz's game-sealing interception to corner William Jackson III being benched, to the NFL regular season debut of running back Brian Robinson Jr., to another brutal game for the commander's offensive line, 
to what I thought was another encouraging game for the commander's defense to multiple other instances of a highly questionable timeout slash game management by head coach Ron Rivera. Uh, and you will hear a whole lot from Ron's post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon because no other podcast or show covers the commanders and brings you the key audio uh, like this podcast does. You'll hear from Carson Wentz as well. We have a lot to talk about. You know, so much for this season being the step forward season that Ron Rivera talked about for months, right? At least right now, the commanders ain't stepping nowhere. They're getting stepped on, but they ain't stepping nowhere. Uh, also on the show, college football, and we'll talk Maryland, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Navy, Liberty, and James Madison. Uh, all six teams were in action on Saturday. Uh, wild loss for Maryland, 31-29 to Purdue. Virginia Tech's and Virginia's nightmare seasons continued. The Hokies lost at Pitt, 45-29. I think Pitt running back Israel Abanakanda just scored again against the Hokies. Uh, the Cavaliers lost their homecoming game, 34-17 to Louisville, doubled up by the Cardinals, despite them being without their starting quarterback, Malik Cunningham. Uh, Navy, though, busted out big time, a 53-21 win over Tulsa. Liberty, behind its third-string quarterback, what at UMass, 42-24. And James Madison won at Arkansas State, 42-20, and now is ranked, yes, the Dukes, number 25 in the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Sunday. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback, as you might expect, uh, on the commanders of their loss to the Titans. Tweet from Mike. Carson Wentz was okay, not great most of the game. Quite a mess around him. Bad sequence at the end. That last play fails even if J.D. McKissick makes the catch because he was short and the clock runs out. It's like Scott Turner had no good ideas for that situation. Nothing looked open on any of the plays. Oh no, we suck again. Gotta play it on the show. Could open with it. Uh, Well, Mike, I uh, won't open with that. I did not open with that. Uh, but here you go. Oh, no! We suck again! Yes, exactly. Uh, sadly, that is the case, at least right now. A tweet from Andreas Wiseman. Just look how inspired the Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys are playing compared to Washington, which is in year three of its regime. Stark difference. Tweet from Daniel. We gotta be really bad, Al. Like 2-15, and 3-14 and 14 bad. Gotta have a high pick. And then we hit on the rookie quarterback. Yeah, Daniel. Uh, sadly, that is where my mindset is starting to go as well. Tweet from Bill. Time to clean house and start over. Uh, tweet from Sabah. I told you, Al, we are not a quarterback away. We need Taylor Heineke to save this season. Oh, Sabah, Tay-Tay may not be that far away, although I did think that Carson Wentz actually played pretty well uh, in this game against the Titans. Much more on that later in the show. Email from John from Jersey, writes John, my son just moved out to Chicago this summer, so I purchased tickets a few weeks ago for the Bears game so we could hopefully see a win at a neutral site. Thank God I have come to love that city. Maybe we can sell the tickets and buy a deep dish pizza. General thoughts, ownership is a joke. Enough said as you have covered it in detail. The team president is a joke. Factual errors are 
are inexcusable, especially recurring errors. Ron must go. He talks too much at press conferences. And if he can't spend the time to know the names of his players, (laughs) how much time is he really investing in his job? Scott should go. It does not matter where Scott Turner calls the plays. He just stinks at it. Carson Wentz has heart, but he just isn't good enough. He is broken and needs to collect his five or so years of backup quarterback money and ride off into the sunset. Can't wait to see my son and enjoy some great food in Chicago. Maybe we will go to the game. Keep up the great work. Love the pod. Uh, Thank you, John. Much appreciated. Enjoy Chicago. Well, you know, Chicago is a city that uh, Rod Rivera knows well, right? He was a linebacker for the Bears from 1984 through 1992. Rod, of course, is a cancer survivor. Uh, He, in 2020, battled skin cancer, what was squamous cell carcinoma. Did you know that skin cancer is among the most common of all cancers in the United States? But the good news is that skin cancer also is among the most curable forms of cancer. Get checked, get screened, and someone who very much can help you with that is Dr. George Verghese. Uh, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings. Yes, free. Call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big fan of the commanders. He's a loyal listener of this podcast. And operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. And yes, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings and offer state-of-the-art treatments for skin cancer. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are the DMV's number one outlet for Mohs Skin Cancer Surgery and for Superficial Radiation Therapy, or SRT, which is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. You won't find better, more state-of-the-art, or more comprehensive skin treatment and services than what you can get from Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Early detection and treatment of skin cancer save lives. If you have questions or concerns about your skin, call Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland at 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. Make sure that you tell the Institute that Al Galdi sent you. That's 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. Well, if you are new to the podcast, welcome aboard. Uh, If you have been with us for a while, thank you for being with us. Ratings and reviews help us out a lot. You can rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you can write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. The review can just be a sentence or two saying that you like the podcast, and thank you for doing the ratings and the reviews. You know, I tweeted this shortly after the Commanders fell to 1-4 and four with the 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. I want the Commanders the rest of this season to either engineer a tremendous turnaround or be really bad. The middle 
would do us no good. I want one of the two extremes. I hate that before we've even arrived at the middle of October that we're talking like that, but that is how we're talking. Uh, I want the commanders the rest of this season to either figure stuff out and catch fire, or I want them to lose a lot of games, wind up with a top five pick in what is set up to be a quarterback-rich 2023 NFL draft, and perhaps blow up the front office and coaching staff, because that may be what needs to be done. Now, I'm not ready to call for head coach Ron Rivera and his crew to be fired yet, (laughs) Uh, but that is on the table, okay? I mean, how could that not be on the table at this point? You know, this loss to the Titans on Sunday afternoon gave Washington its fourth regular season losing streak of at least four games over Ron Rivera's two-plus seasons as the team's head coach. Ron's regular season record as Washington head coach now, is a not-so-good 15-23. and 23. That works out to a winning percentage of 395. Ron's regular season winning percentage as Washington head coach now is under 400. And of course, with Ron, he's the head coach in a coach-centric approach. He is in charge of picking the players in addition to coaching the players. Ron on Sunday afternoon benched his number one free agent acquisition since Ron became Washington head coach on New Year's Day 2020, corner William Jackson III. No free agent acquisition has been given more money than William Jackson III was given in terms of the total value of his contract. Washington gave Jackson a three-year, $40.5 million deal as an unrestricted free agent in March 2021. And, you know, you could argue that Ron benching WJ3 was a bold and declarative move. But of course, who signed WJ3? Ron signed WJ3. Uh, Two of Ron's boys from his days as Carolina Panthers head coach, two commanders, right? Guards Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell. Uh, They have been hideous so far this season. Turner got benched during the loss at the Dallas Cowboys in week four. Norwell may be about to be benched. We'll see. He was atrocious in this loss to the Titans. Who signed Turner and Norwell? Ron did. And Ron Rivera, the man in charge of player personnel, isn't being helped out by Ron Rivera, the head coach. Ron Rivera's timeout management and game management cost the commanders big time in this loss to the Titans. Uh, First of all, you had the mess That was the end of the first half. Ron seemingly could not make up his mind on whether he wanted to preserve time or let time expire. The Titans engineered a mammoth 15-play, 81-yard drive that consumed 6 minutes 57 seconds off the clock, resulted in running back Derrick Henry's third and goal, one-yard under center handoff touchdown run with 17 seconds left in the second quarter. The ensuing extra point gave the Titans a 14-10 lead. Now, Ron, during this drive, used just one of his three first-half timeouts, and the result was the Commanders getting the ball back with just 10 seconds left in the first half. You probably already know this, but just in case that you don't, you get three timeouts for the first half, three timeouts in the second half. You can't carry over your first-half timeouts. Once the first half ends, Those three first-half timeouts are gone, whether you have used them or not. So, I don't know, to me, it's like, you might as well use them, okay, because it's use them or lose them. 
The Commanders, rather than trying to do something offensively, given that they had two first-half timeouts left and had thrown the ball fairly effectively in the first half, instead just had quarterback Carson Wentz take a knee. So Ron did not use his second and third first-half timeouts while on defense while the Titans were driving, nor did Ron use his second and third first-half timeouts upon getting the ball back. Uh, A, that was an ultra-conservative, dare I say, scared approach. And B, if you were going to just have Carson take a knee, if you were going to go conservative, why'd you call that timeout during the Titans' touchdown drive? Like, to me, you're either in or you're out. And if you're in, then you use all your timeouts. And if you're out, then you don't use any of your timeouts. Like, what was the point of using that one first-half timeout? Uh, For the record, this was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on why he only called the one timeout during the Titans' lengthy touchdown drive. Because they started moving the ball forward, and 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 instead of just slowing it down, so they could take the opportunity to really think about what they wanted to do, and then we also thought we would go in and just you know uh, reset ourselves, and because we were getting the ball to begin with. Okay, but did Ron Rivera consider how much extra time the commanders might have had on the ensuing offensive possession had they used the rest of their first half timeouts during that Titans touchdown drive? I did think about it, but again, you know, you get backed up and get get in the hole and you give them an opportunity to score as well. I mean, that's two ways to think out of it. Yeah, it did not play out well. Uh, It did not come off well. You know, this was not unlike what happened in the commander's previous game, the loss at the Cowboys in week four, 25-10 was the final of that game. I was not a fan of how the Commanders handled their final offensive possession in the first half of that game. The Commanders started an offensive possession on their 25 with one minute, four seconds left in the second quarter while trailing 12-7 and while having two first half timeouts left. Now the Cowboys did have all three of their first half timeouts, so perhaps That did enter into Ron's thinking, but the first snap of the drive was a first and 10 three-yard shotgun handoff run by running back J.D. McKissick. The commanders then did not call a timeout, operated slowly, and did not get off their next snap until there were just 26 seconds left in the second quarter. The result of that snap was a Carson Wentz second and seven five-yard shotgun completion to tight end Logan Thomas, who got out of bounds. Uh, Then came McKissick with a third and two four-yard shotgun handoff run, after which the commanders did call a timeout. And then came Carson Wentz throwing a first and 10 interception to corner Trayvon Diggs on a shotgun deep pass intended for receiver Jahan Donson. And, you know, that sequence, if you remember it, was like, uh, Ron, my dude, uh, make up your mind. Are you going for it or aren't you going for it? Okay, Are you going for it on these late first half possessions or aren't you? Because the way these possessions are coming off, the way that these sequences are coming off, Ron's got one foot in and one foot out. You know, Ron does change his mind on things. I've talked about that. He seemingly is changing his mind during these late first half sequences. But this wishy-washy behavior late in first halves is potentially, if not likely, costing the commander's points, and it's maddening to watch. More from Ron Rivera's postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon. Take a listen to this exchange with commander's insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. 
Hey, going back to the, the sequence before halftime, this is the second week in a row you've had the chance to maybe get the ball back before halftime, have a little time, but have opted not to mount Correct. a drive. Is that a reflection of Correct. faith in the offense at this juncture? No, not necessarily. It, 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 it's one of those things that if you do it and you decide to do it and you get trapped back there, okay, now what do you do? They're going to punt the ball. They've had three timeouts left as well. So... You know, we also, in the loss to the Titans, had what happened on the commander's final offensive drive, the one that resulted in Carson Wentz's third and goal shotgun interception to linebacker David Long Jr. on the penultimate snap of the game. The third snap of the drive, a third and one under center play action and completion intended for receiver Cam Sims, who on an attempted diving catch of what was a high floater from Carson, uh, did not survive the ground, as the saying goes. Cam trapped the ball between his body and the ground. And Ron Rivera ended up challenging the ruling of an incompletion on the play, even though it pretty clearly was not a catch by today's standard of a catch. And look, I know in real time it's not always easy to tell exactly what happened and you and I watching the game on TV have the benefit of seeing the replay. But, you know, Ron has the benefit of replay. Ron also has the benefit of a bunch of people in his ear who can tell him whether the play is worthy of being challenged or not. Well, Ron ended up challenging this play. It was a foolish challenge, and the challenge predictably was unsuccessful, costing the commander's a second half timeout. I am all for being aggressive, but there's a difference between being aggressive and reckless. That was a reckless challenge. That was a very low percentage challenge. That was an, oh, the heck with it. Let's just try it kind of a challenge. The commanders then found themselves with a first and goal at the Titans too, but with no timeouts left. That caused them to call three consecutive passing plays, all of which were unsuccessful and the last of which was the Carson Wentz interception. Now, you can certainly quibble with the nature of the three passing plays that were called, you know, especially throwing to the middle of the field as Carson Wentz ended up doing. But still, the idea here is the inability to call a running play during that goal-to-go sequence was a killer because running plays have been proven to be very efficient red zone plays, and you couldn't go with one. You had to force the pass, and the result ended up being three passing plays that did not work. That low percentage challenge by Ron, a major tactical error. And also on the drive, was Ron waiting for too long to call a timeout after a Carson Wentz first and 15 one-yard shotgun completion to receiver Curtis Samuel? That play started with 53 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The clock kept running after the completion, even though Curtis wound up out of bounds. But the timeout wasn't called until there were 36 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Way too much time elapsed between the end of the play and the calling of the timeout. And again, I know it's easy in hindsight to look back on things and say, well, you should have done this and you shouldn't have done that. And I know in the heat of the moment, stuff be happening, but this is why you get paid millions of dollars per year to get this stuff right. And Ron, in this loss to the Titans, did not get this stuff right. I mean, specific to the timeout that was called too far after the completion to Curtis Samuel. You've got to be quicker than that, okay? These seconds are precious. You've got to be on top of stuff like this, and the team isn't on top of stuff like this. And it would be one thing if Rod Rivera, the head coach in a coach-centric approach, 
was a mediocre player personnel guy, but an excellent head coach, you know, a brilliant game day tactician. He isn't. He's not a dummy, okay, but he's not an upper tier head coach. And you could tolerate that if he was an excellent player personnel guy, but he hasn't proven himself to be that. He has been a so-so player personnel guy. He has made some very good moves, no doubt, and he does deserve credit for those moves, but there have been a number of bad moves, at least as things appear right now. And the bottom line is one and four now in the 2022 regular season. An overall record as Washington head coach of just 15 and 23 in the regular season. You know, the commanders, just to get to nine and eight in the 2022 regular season, would have to go eight and four the rest of the way. Raise your hand if you expect that. Eight wins out of 12 games the rest of the way. Here was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on what now for the commanders. Well, we're going to continue to talk about, you know, becoming who we think we can. We're going to talk about working to get better and continue to talk about that. We're not going to back down on what we're trying to do. You know, it's hard. It's difficult. But there's nothing easy about this game. No, there isn't. Uh, there's also nothing easy about being a Commanders fan, uh, by the way. And then right after what you just heard from Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon, we had this exchange with Scott Abraham of ABC7 News and Ron. Take a listen. Ron, is, is it panic time right now? Because For I mean, you, maybe, but not for me, Scott. Why? I'm not going to panic. Why? Because there's plenty of football left, okay? We're going to work our butts off to get better. That's all we can do. Okay. I mean, that's the truth of the matter is, you know, and and again, if you work and continue to work and continue to work, eventually it's going to change. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change it. This is not going to happen overnight. It's never going to happen overnight. When is it going to? I don't know. But I will say, and I I don't disagree with some of the thought process, there is a sense of urgency. And I hope everybody in that locker room is the same sense that I have. All right. Good to hear Ron Rivera emphasize the urgency. Uh, I do think that we need more of that. My most preferred outcome for the rest of this season is the commanders becoming good and going on a run. I would love to see that. And when I say run, I mean, say, seven and five or better the rest of the season. But if we're not going to get at least that, and you could argue that even that's a low bar, okay? But if we're not going to get at least that, then we might as well get something a lot worse than that. Because it may well be that once again, This team needs to bottom out and start over. So the rest of the way, either do really well or really poorly. The middle will get us nowhere. And again, I hate that we're talking like this before even the middle of October, okay? Uh, It is frustrating being a Commanders fan, no doubt. Well, it's also frustrating trying to lose weight. Uh, Have you had a hard time losing weight? Have you perhaps lost weight But then the weight came right back. If the answer to either question is yes, Dr. Matthew Mintz can help you. Dr. Matthew Mintz is a board-certified internal medicine physician and weight loss expert in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Mintz understands your frustration because he himself has struggled with being overweight. You see, there's a reason that most weight loss programs fail, and that's because the human body has evolved over time to prevent you from losing weight. And while these mechanisms were protective hundreds of years ago, today these mechanisms just make weight loss extremely difficult. Well, the solution is medical weight loss. By using prescription medications that fight the factors that prevent weight loss, Dr. Mintz will help you achieve your weight loss goals. And not only will you lose the weight, but you'll keep 
the weight off. And while you may have tried weight loss medications in the past, there now are newer medications that are not only safe and effective, but also can achieve nearly the same weight loss as surgery. You see, Dr. Mintz does not use powders, shakes, or other special foods that you need to purchase. Instead, he uses prescription medications and personalized lifestyle changes and he'll give you the support that you need to succeed. Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program includes an initial in-person comprehensive evaluation, blood work, and a customized weight loss plan, in-person or virtual follow-up visits to keep you on track, a full year of phone calls and emails to answer questions or troubleshoot problems, and one year of prescription medications for weight loss. The good news is that many, if not all of these things, will be covered by or reimbursable through your insurance. Dr. Matthew Mintz, he has been in practice for over 25 years. He serves as clinical faculty at the George Washington University School of Medicine, and he is consistently ranked as a top doctor by Washingtonian Magazine. He is a huge Commanders fan and a loyal listener of the Al Galdi podcast. If you are ready to lose your excess weight the right way, find out more about Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program by calling 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit drmintz.com. That's D-R-Mintz, M-I-N-T-Z, dot com, and click on medical weight loss. That's 855-646-8963 or drmintz.com. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. Well, before we talk about the performance of Commanders quarterback Carson Wentz in the 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon, I do want to talk about the Commanders offensive line. Uh, this line is a real problem. And no, that's not breaking news at this point. But man, help a brother out. Help our guy Commander Carson out. Uh, breakdowns in protection, penalties, Aaron snaps. I mean, what else can this offensive line do to make things harder for Carson and this offense? Uh, now, yes, the commanders for this game were without multiple key offensive linemen. Uh, right tackle Samuel Cosme was inactive for the game due to a hand injury. We this past Tuesday had multiple reports that Cosme had undergone thumb surgery. Uh, center Chase Roulier is on the reserve injured list. He's been on that since September 20th due to a right knee injury that he suffered in the loss at the Detroit Lions in week two. Uh, we this past Tuesday had multiple reports that Roulier would be undergoing right knee surgery, potentially slash likely ending his season. Uh, guard slash center Wes Schweitzer is on the reserve injured list. He's been on that since October 1st due to a concussion that he suffered in the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 3. So, Cosme out, Rulier out, Schweitzer out. Now, the Commanders this past Saturday did activate center Tyler Larson off the reserve physically unable to perform list. He had been on that since August 23rd due to a torn Achilles that he suffered in the loss to the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field last December 12th. But Larson was not the commander's starting center on Sunday afternoon, despite him having been Washington's number two center 
last season. Nick Morton was the commander's starting center on Sunday afternoon, and perhaps that was a mistake. Uh, the commander's starting offensive line was Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle, Andrew Norwell at left guard, Nick Morton at center, Sadiq Charles at right guard, and Cornelius Lucas at right tackle, and the offensive line, again this season, was that good. Uh, So the commanders for the game had nine accepted penalties for 71 yards. Five of the accepted penalties were offensive line penalties. Uh, The commanders now have had five accepted offensive line penalties in each of the last two games. That is inexcusable. Uh, Also, the commanders in this loss to the Titans allowed three sacks, and seven quarterback hits. The Commanders now have allowed 19 sacks and 46 quarterback hits over the team's last four games. The Commanders' fifth offensive drive resulted in a second-quarter punt. The fourth snap of the drive, Nick Morton, a second-and-ten, five-yard false-start penalty. The Commanders' tenth offensive drive resulted in an early fourth-quarter three-and-out. Let's call this Andrew Norwell drive number one. Uh, Second snap of the drive, the final snap, of the third quarter, Andrew Norwell, a second and eight, 10-yard holding penalty, fourth snap of the drive, and the second snap of the fourth quarter on a third and 13 for the Commanders at their 20, interior defensive lineman Danico Autry, who had left the game with a back issue, ran over Andrew Norwell for a sack of Carson Wentz for a nine-yard loss. Uh, Commander's 11th offensive drive resulted in a fourth-quarter punt. Uh, let's call this Andrew Norwell drive number two. Uh, third snap of the drive, Andrew Norwell, a first-and-ten, five-yard full-start penalty. Fourth snap of the drive on a first-and-15 for the Commanders at their 21. Interior defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons and interior defensive lineman and Maryland product Sam Okwanu split a sack for an eight-yard loss of heavy pressure from Okwanu, who blew through Andrew Norwell. And then the commander's 12th offensive drive, the one that resulted in Carson Wentz's third and goal shotgun interception to linebacker David Long Jr. on the next-to-last snap of the game. 11th snap of the drive, Nick Morton, a first and 10, 10-yard illegal use of hands penalty. 14th snap of the drive, Cornelius Lucas, a first and 10, 5-yard full start penalty. Even Lucas was infected with penalty-itis. Understand, Cornelius Lucas doesn't commit penalties. Cornelius Lucas, over the 2020 and 2021 regular seasons, committed a total of just two penalties over 1,123 Washington offensive snaps, and yet Lucas, on Sunday afternoon, committed a penalty. And then there were the snaps of Nick Morton. And man, were these rough. I mean, Nick Morton in this game was guilty of three bad shotgun snaps that resulted in fumbles being charged to Carson Wentz. I mean, poor Carson. The guy got charged with three fumbles in this game, and not a single one was his fault. The commander's first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. The second snap of the drive on a second and seven for the commanders at their 36. Carson Wentz off calling an audible. I remember all of the talk last week about Carson Wentz and his ability to call audibles. Carson, off calling an audible, dropped 
a low shotgun snap, and then scrambled for eight yards for a net gain of three yards on the play. Uh, the commander's third offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's 50-yard field goal with 26 seconds left in the first quarter to cut the commander's deficit to 7-3, the sixth snap of the drive. Nick Martin unleashed a terribly low shotgun snap on what went down as Carson Wentz's second fumble of the game. And on that commander's 12th offensive drive, the one that resulted in the Carson Wentz interception, Fifth snap of the drive, Carson, a first and 10, nine-yard shotgun completion to John Bates off a low snap from Nick Martin. Carson on this play charged with his third fumble of the game. Uh, Way too much bad from the commander's offensive line in this game. Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon was asked about what is going on with this offensive line. Well, I, I see a constant new mixture of players. You know, there's no continuity in terms of the same five guys every week or, or, or four of the five. I mean, when you when you constantly have some sort of shuffle going on, it's tough to get some continuity, especially from the beginning. Now, if this was later in the year, you'd like to think that, you know, there's a number of guys that have been playing out there, been working together. And when you insert one guy, it's, it's, it's an easier transition than having two or three guys that you've got to constantly mix in and out. Yeah, Ron Rivera isn't wrong with what he said there, but the commander's offensive line has got to be better. It is really hard to see this offense getting appreciably better without the offensive line getting better. Uh, Just ask the man who we'll talk about next, Carson Wentz. Uh, My breakdown of his performance in a loss to the Titans after this. Well, as you surely know, internet security and privacy are major issues. Uh, You perhaps have heard of VPN, which stands for Virtual Private Network. A VPN is a service that protects your internet connection and privacy online. I want to tell you about NordVPN. NordVPN keeps your internet connection safe and private and allows you to access region-locked content. With NordVPN, you can safely stream sports, television shows, and movies wherever you travel in the world. NordVPN is one of the most user-friendly VPN services on the market, so you can easily set it up on your smart TV or Apple TV and enjoy watching games with your friends and family. NordVPN shields your data from snoops and criminals, protects you on public Wi-Fi connections, and allows you to secure up to six devices on one account. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so that you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. And NordVPN has a threat protection feature that'll mean that you no longer have to worry about intrusive website ads and malware. In fact, even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes the file before it makes a mess of your computer. Go to nordvpn.com slash algaldi to get your subscription started. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan and get a free month. That's nordvpn.com slash algaldi. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. That's nordvpn.com slash algaldi. nordvpn.com slash algaldi. Well, if you would like to be a part of the revolution that is the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode, if you would like to put the power of the pod to work for you, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast 
at yahoo.com. Carson Wentz in the Commander's 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon was the Commander's starting quarterback for a fifth time in as many games in the 2022 regular season. He had a horrendous ending to what was an otherwise strong bounce-back performance off back-to-back terrible games. The ending was really bad, but overall, I actually thought that Carson Wentz played pretty well. Uh, Now, we do have to start with the ending. The interception, a killer pick, no doubt. Uh, The commander's 12th offensive drive, the 21st snap of the drive. On a third and goal for the commanders at the Titans 2, Carson Wentz on a shotgun pass intended for running back J.D. McKissick through an interception to linebacker David Long Jr. on the next-to-last snap of the game. Uh, This was Carson Wentz during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on what happened on the interception. Yeah, guy made a heck of a play. Um, At least from my vantage point, it looked like he was kind of covering Terry a little bit on the crossing route, and I just tried to squeeze it in there to JD. Um, Guy made a heck of a play. That that was an emotional roller coaster. I thought we had six points when that left my hand, and then the the result, um, that was uh, unfortunate. Yes, it was. Uh, The drive was setting up to be a glorious drive. The drive was setting up to be a lengthy game-winning touchdown drive. I don't know about you, but I thought that the commanders were going to do it. We're going to pull off the come-from-behind win with the last-second touchdown, but instead, we got the pick. Uh, Now, look, there was an element to the pick of, hey, Carson Wentz had to try to do something because time was expiring in the fourth quarter. There was an element to the pick of, hey, David Long Jr. just made a really nice play for the interception. There was an element to the pick of, hey, uh, the play call perhaps could have been better. But, you know, Carson seemingly did stare down J.D. McKissick ultimately through the pick, a pick that, by the way, followed two near picks by Carson Wentz over the two previous snaps. You know, on a first and goal at the two, floated a shotgun pass on an apparent throwaway, but the ball was caught by corner Kristen Fulton just behind the back of the end zone uh, near the back left corner. And then Carson, on a second and goal at the two, fired a shotgun play action in completion intended for J.D. McKissick, who was between two Titans interior defensive linemen in Tier Tard and Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, You wonder how much not having receiver Jahan Dodson hurt the commanders. Uh, He has been so effective in the red zone, but Jahan for this game inactive due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the loss at the Dallas Cowboys in week four. The pick for Carson Wentz, his fifth interception of the 2022 regular season, four of the five interceptions have been fourth quarter interceptions. You know, this reputation that Carson has for throwing picks at like the worst times. uh, Yeah, he's kind of living up to that here uh, so far this season. Uh, Also, Carson Wentz in this game quarterback to commander's offense that went a putrid one of 11 on third downs. Uh, That the game was as close as it was was a minor miracle given that the commander's going just one of 11 on third downs and the one conversion didn't come until late in the game. But to me, there still was a lot of good from Carson Wentz in this game. I know that it may not feel like that to some of you, maybe even most of you, uh, especially given how the game ended. But consider a few things. So Carson Wentz completed 25 of his 38 pass attempts and threw for 359 yards and two touchdowns. So 
359 yards over 38 pass attempts. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of 9.45. That is an excellent yards per pass attempt. Uh, The two touchdown passes were outstanding. Two touchdown passes, right, to receiver Diami Brown. How about Diami in this game? The commander's fourth offensive drive, the lone snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 25. Carson Wentz, a 75-yard under center play action touchdown pass to Diami Brown. Off all of the talk last week about the commander's play action game not being very productive, well, how'd you like that for a play action pass? A 75-yard bomb to Diami Brown, who torched corner at Virginia Tech product Caleb Farley. Uh, Carson fired a beautiful pass and hit Diami perfectly in stride, ensuing extra point gave the Commanders a 10-7 lead. And the Commanders' ninth offensive drive, six plays, 80 yards, resulted in Carson Wentz's third quarter, second and seven, 30-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Deami Brown, who made a great one-arm catch with his left arm while being tightly covered by corner Roger McCreary, ensuing extra point, gave the Commanders a 17-14 lead. Here was head coach Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on the performance of Carson Wentz. Well, I thought he had his moments. You know, there were some things that he did really, really well. And, you know, I thought he threw the ball deep. I thought he, he you know, the, um, the, the, the second touchdown, Diami, that, that, that was a check with me. He, he audibled, called the play, and threw it. Um, so that was, you know, that was good to see him, him stepping, you know, into, into that role. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's just things that, you know, we're going to continue to work on. Yeah, really good stuff from Deami Brown on these two touchdown receptions. And boy, did he need a game like this, right? Of having not done much since Washington took him in the third round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of North Carolina. Deami, for this game, two receptions for 105 yards in two touchdowns on four targets. But also for Carson Wentz on that drive that resulted in the second touchdown pass to Deami Brown, multiple other impressive passes. First snap of the drive, Carson, a first and 10, 15-yard shotgun play-action completion to running back Antonio Gibson, who was wide open in the middle of the field. Second snap of the drive, Carson, a first and 10, nine-yard shotgun play-action completion to Gibson on a checkdown. Fourth snap of the drive, Carson, a first and 10, 20-yard shotgun completion to tight end John Bates, who was wide open. And Carson, on this play, did a great job of manipulating the Titans' defense with his eyes. He looked toward his left before throwing to his right for the big gain to John Bates. The commander's third offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's 50-yard field goal with 26 seconds left in the first quarter to cut the commander's deficit to 7-3. The first snap of the drive, Carson, a first and 10, 32-yard shotgun play action, deep completion to receiver Curtis Samuel on a rather high pass, probably too high. Uh, Third snap of the drive, Carson, second and 10, 11-yard shotgun completion to an open Curtis Samuel in the middle of the field. Commander's fifth offensive drive resulted in a second-quarter punt. Second snap of the drive, Carson, second and five, 25-yard shotgun completion to receiver Terry McLaurin across the middle, and Terry did a great job on this play of generating yardage after the catch broke through three attempted tackles to produce 18 yards after the catch. Uh, The commander's seventh offensive drive was the opening drive of the second half, resulted in a third-quarter punt. First snap of the drive, Carson Wentz, a first and 10, 34-yard shotgun play action, deep completion, 
to Terry McLaurin, who made a really nice leaping and twisting catch over the middle while in the vicinity of three Titans defenders. And then even on the drive that resulted in Carson Wentz's interception, you had multiple impressive plays on this drive. Eighth snap of the drive, the snap right before the second half, two-minute warning. Carson, a second and three, eight-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel. Twelfth uh, snap of the drive off center Nick Martin's first and 10, 10-yard 10 illegal use of hands penalty. Carson, first and 20, 10-yard shotgun completion to John Bates. Next snap, Carson, second and 10, 10-yard 10 shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin, who made a great spin to generate yardage after the catch for the first down. So Carson on this drive overcame first and 20, thanks to a Nick Morton illegal use of hands penalty. 16th snap of the drive, Carson Wentz, a second and 14, 9-yard completion to J.D. McKissick on a shotgun-like shovel pass while under pressure. I mean, that play had no business being a positive play for the Commanders, and yet it was, thanks to Carson Wentz. And then on the 17th snap of the drive, third and five for the Commanders at the Titans 24, Carson Wentz, an 8-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel. So I thought there was a lot of good from Carson Wentz as a passer in this game. I thought there was actually a good bit of good from Carson as a ball carrier in this game. So Carson Wentz officially had five carries for 15 yards, but he made some key plays with his legs. The commander's first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out, second snap of the drive on a second and seven for the commanders at their 36. Carson Wentz dropped a low shotgun snap from Nick Martin, but then scrambled for eight yards for a net gain of three yards on the play. The commander's seventh offensive drive, opening drive of the second half, resulted in a third quarter punt. The second snap of the drive, Carson, a first and 10, five-yard under center play action scramble on which he evaded defensive lineman Kevin Strong and Demarcus Walker. And on that uh, final commander's offensive drive that resulted in the Carson Wentz interception, 10th snap of the drive, Carson had a second and five Eight-yard shotgun scramble. Uh, I think Carson is actually sneaky mobile. I know you're probably laughing at me saying that, but he actually has had some productive scrambles so far this season. Uh, Carson went in this game display to toughness. I mean, he again took some shots. Titans finished the game with three sacks and seven quarterback hits. Carson drew a roughing the passer penalty, and uh, I emphasize that word drew, but he drew it. Uh, the commander's 11th offensive drive resulted in a fourth quarter punt. Second snap of the drive, Carson drew a second and nine, 15-yard roughing the passer penalty on interior defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons. You know, Carson may have embellished things a bit, but hey, you're allowed to do that, okay? If it draws a penalty, more power to you. And Carson threw a great block in the game. Did you catch this? On the commander's eighth offensive drive, resulted in a third quarter turnover on downs. Second snap of the drive, running back Brian Robinson Jr., a second and 10, six-yard under center handoff run that featured an outstanding block by Carson Wentz on linebacker David Long Jr., who, of course, ended up getting back at Carson with the game-sealing interception. But yeah, Carson throwing a block on a run by Robinson in this game. Uh, Speaking of Robinson, you know, Carson did not have much of a running game with which to work. Uh, Commanders running backs Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson combined for 12 carries for just 28 yards. And that was the extent of the Commanders running game in this game. Of course, it was great to see Brian Robinson Jr. out there. Uh, He did play 
awesome to see that. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. making his NFL regular season debut of having been on the reserve non-football injury or illness list. He was put on that on September 1st off, of course, having been shot in a leg and hip in an incident in Washington, D.C. on August 28th. Robinson in this game, nine carries for 22 yards. He was not targeted in the passing game. There just wasn't much happening with the commander's running game in this game. But of course, with Brian Robinson Jr., just the fact that he was out there uh, was a big deal. Here was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on Brian Robinson Jr. making his NFL regular season debut. It was a good thing. You know, the hard part about it was, you know, they, they kind of try to, every time Brian was in there, they were teeing off. And, you know, now, you know, that part of it's over. You know, he's played. We know that he's, uh, he's ready to roll. Now we got to go out and uh, just make things happen. Yes, you do. You know, it's a shame that the Commanders did not have a better offensive game. You know, the Titans' defense for this game was rather banged up. Among the Titans' inactives for this game were three key defensive players, edge defender Bud Dupree, defensive back Amani Hooker, and linebacker Zach Cunningham. Uh, Also, how about Commanders' offensive coordinator Scott Turner being back in the booth? Uh, Scotty was back in the booth. He called plays from a booth for the first time in five games in the 2022 regular season of having called plays from Booths in each of his first two seasons as Washington offensive coordinator. Remember the big to-do a few months ago over Scott this season calling plays from the sideline as opposed to the booth. Uh, Well, that change appears to be over. Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on why Scott Turner was back in the booth. I, again, just one of the things that you look at what you're seeing, the excitement of what's going on on the, on the sidelines. It's a little calmer up in the box. It's probably a better situation for him to look at things looking down. All right. Up next, hey, has the commander's defense been fixed? It In the loss to the Titans, played well for a third consecutive game. Much more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So we now are five games into the Commander's 2022 regular season. Amazingly, they still have just one takeaway. Safety Derek Forrest game-sealing fourth quarter interception in the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one. That pick is the commander's lone takeaway in the 2022 regular season. That is amazing. One takeaway over five games. However, even with that being the case, the commander's defense overall to me is playing well. And the commander's defense in the 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon played well enough to win for a third consecutive game. The commander's defense remained without multiple key players. You have edge defender Chase Young on the reserve, physically unable to perform list. He's been on that since August 23rd as he recovers from his torn right ACL that he suffered in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field last November. Uh, interior defensive lineman Federian Mathis is on the reserve injured list. He's been on that since September 12th due to a left knee injury, a reported torn left meniscus that he suffered in the first quarter of that win over the Jags. Uh, safety Percy Butler was inactive on Sunday due to a quadriceps injury. Linebacker David Mayo was inactive on Sunday due to a hamstring injury. And linebacker Milo Eifler now is on the reserve injured list. He was placed on that on Saturday due to a hamstring injury. Uh, the commanders for this game against the Titans did get back interior defensive lineman Daniel Wise. Uh, he returned from a two-game absence caused by a high ankle sprain that he suffered in the loss at the Detroit Lions in Week 2. The Titans for this game were without multiple key offensive players. Right guard Nate Davis was inactive due to knee and foot ailments, and the Titans on Saturday placed receiver Traylon Burks on the reserve injured list due to turf toe. Uh, the good from the Commanders' defense, this list is actually pretty substantial. The Commanders held the Titans to just 4 of 14 on third downs as for a fifth time in as many games in the 2022 regular season. The Commanders' defense from a third down perspective was really good. The Commanders through week five have held opposing teams in the 2022 regular season to just 21 of 69 on third downs, 30 point four, 3%. I feel like this is getting no attention that that which was such a weakness for the commanders last season, third down defense has been an extreme strength so far this season. Uh, also, the commander's pass rush on Sunday afternoon was great. Uh, the commanders totaled five sacks and 13 quarterback hits. Edge defender Montez Sweat had one of the best games of his NFL career. I don't think I'm overstating things in saying that Montez, two sacks, four quarterback hits, and three tackles for loss. Uh, edge defender James Smith-Williams finished with a sack and four quarterback hits. We continued to see good stuff 
from interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. I tell you, in terms of the overall output, this is one of the better games that we have seen from the Washington defensive line in recent years. The job that this D-line did against the Titans on Sunday afternoon. Titans' first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. First snap of the drive, Montez Sweat registered his first sack of the 2022 regular season. He pushed back tight end Jeff Swaim into quarterback Ryan Tannehill for a seven-yard loss. So on the Titans' very first offensive snap of the game, Montez Sweat gets his first sack, and that really was a tone setter for the rest of the game. Third snap of the drive, Jonathan Allen blasted Ryan Tannehill on a third and six shotgun incompletion. Titans' second offensive drive resulted in a first quarter punt. Sixth snap of the drive, edge defender Casey Tuhill drew a holding penalty by left tackle Dennis Daly, though we did have offsetting penalties as linebacker Cole Holcomb committed at a legal contact penalty. The Titans' fourth offensive drive resulted in an early second quarter three and out. Second snap of the drive, first snap of the second quarter. Montez Sweat, a quarterback hit on a Ryan Tannehill second and five under center play action and completion. Third snap of the drive and the second snap of the second quarter on a third and five for the Titans at their 30. Montez Sweat steamrolled the left tackle. Dennis Daly with a bull rush for a sack for a seven-yard loss. And Montez took his helmet off after the play. Thankfully, did not get penalized. The Titans' fifth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter punt. Seventh snap of the drive on a third and 23 for the Titans at their 32. Jonathan Allen plowed through left guard Aaron Brewer as Allen and Deron Payne combined for a sack of Ryan Tannehill for a 13-yard loss, giving the Titans a fourth and 36 Uh, The Titans' sixth offensive drive, this was a mammoth 15-play, 81-yard drive that consumed six minutes, 57 seconds off the clock, resulted in running back Derrick Henry's third and goal, one-yard under center handoff touchdown run with 17 seconds left in the second quarter. But third snap of the drive, James Smith-Williams tackled Ryan Tannehill on a second and five shotgun read option run for no gain. Fourth snap of the drive, Montez Sweat was in the process of sacking Ryan Tannehill, although he somehow got off a shotgun toss to running back Dontrell Hilliard for a third and five, eight-yard completion. That was a bad moment for the defense, although it still was impressive what Montez Sweat was doing in just harassing Ryan Tannehill throughout the game. Uh, Ninth snap of the drive, the snap right before the first half, two-minute warning, James Smith-Williams, a quarterback hit out of Ryan Tannehill, second and eight, shotgun incompletion, and on and on we can go. Titans' eighth offensive drive resulted in a third quarter, three and out, second snap of the drive, defensive lineman F.A. Obata, a second and 14 sack of Ryan Tannehill for a two-yard loss. Titans' tenth offensive drive resulted in a fourth quarter punt, seventh snap of the drive on a third and six for the Titans, At the Commanders 34, James Smith-Williams sacked Ryan Tannehill for a 16-yard loss to take the Titans at a field goal range. That was a big play. Uh, The Titans' 11th offensive drive resulted in a fourth quarter three and out, fourth snap of the drive. Cole Holcomb smashed Ryan Tannehill on a third and six one-yard shotgun scramble. With Tannehill, uh, the Commanders held him to just 181 yards over 25 pass attempts. And if you take out the 61-yard completion, and I know that's kind of massaging the numbers, but if you take out just that one completion, the Commanders held Tannehill to just five yards per pass attempt in this game. Uh, I thought that the Commanders overall did a good job on Derrick Henry. Now look, Henry did rush for 102 yards and two touchdowns, so it's not like he did nothing, but the Commanders actually held Henry to just 3.64 
yards per carry. Would you not have signed up for that going into the game? The commanders holding Henry to 3.64 yards per carry. Take you back to the Titans' second offensive drive. Resulted in a first quarter putt. Now, the third snap of the drive was a Montez Sweat third and two five-yard neutral zone infraction penalty. But the fourth snap of the drive was Montez Sweat tackling Derrick Henry on a first and 10 under center handoff run for a four-yard loss. I'm telling you, Montez had some game in this game. Titans' eighth offensive drive resulted in a third quarter three and out. First snap of the drive, Cole Holcomb tackled Derrick Henry on a first and 10 under center handoff run for a four-yard loss. Also on the play was Deron Payne plowing through two blockers for backfield penetration. So I liked a lot of what we saw from the commander's defense. Uh, Was there some bad? Yes, there was. Uh, So you had what went down with corner William Jackson the third. Now, I guess you could frame that as, well, no, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not a good thing that a corner to whom you gave a three-year, $40.5 million unrestricted free agent contract is now being benched. Uh, so William Jackson the third started the game, but ultimately played on just 23% of the commander's defensive snaps. He did have a standout negative moment early in the game. Titans' third offensive drive, six plays, 52 yards, resulted in Ryan Tannehill's first quarter, first and 10, 13-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Dontrell Hilliard on a screen. Ensuing extra point gave the Titans a 7-0 lead. Third snap of the drive, William Jackson the third went low and missed on an attempted tackle of Derrick Henry on a third and one, three-yard pistol handoff run. Jackson was there to make the stop, did not make the stop, but him being benched had to have been about more than just that missed tackle. Now, head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon would not get into the specifics of why Jackson was benched, but Jackson, during a postgame session with reporters, said that he has been dealing with a back problem, a disc issue. Uh, As you may recall, Jackson was inactive for the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 3 due to a back injury. Here were a couple of exchanges between Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference. Earlier in the game, it looked like you guys might have moved on from William Jackson. What was your thinking there, and could you kind of take us through that situation? Well, we just decided to make a change. And and why was that? Because we decided to. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, later in Ron Rivera's postgame press conference, we had this exchange involving Commanders insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. With Jackson, how much of that miss was that his benching the missed tackle on third and one there? Well, I think, again, as we, we make decisions based on the flow of the game, and that was one of the things that we decided on. Yeah, much more on the William Jackson the third situation, I would think, during Ron Rivera's day after the game press conference on Monday. But this is a big deal, Jackson being benched. His tenure with Washington has not gone well, and what happened on Sunday afternoon with him is the biggest indictment yet. Uh, another negative for the commander's defense in the loss to the Titans. The commanders did give up yet another massive passing play. Titans' ninth offensive drive, seven plays 75 yards resulted in the Derrick Henry late third quarter, second and goal, one yard under center handoff touchdown run. The second snap of the drive, safety Bobby McCain got burned by receiver Nick Westbrook-Akina on a Ryan Tannehill second and eight, 61-yard completion to Westbrook-Akina on a play on which Tannehill 
was heavily pressured. Uh, this was a really impressive play by Ryan Tannehill, but this was another instance of the Commanders giving up an explosive, as Ron Rivera would call the play. You also had a costly penalty by F.A. Obata in this game. Titan 6 offensive drive, the 15-play 81-yard drive uh, that resulted in the Derrick Henry third and goal, one-yard under center handoff touchdown run with 17 seconds left in the second quarter. Tenth snap of the drive, third and eight for the Titans at the Commanders 40. F.A. Obata, a terrible 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty for a hit from behind on Ryan Tannehill. Now, also on the play was a Montez Sweat offside penalty that was declined, but there was no need for that penalty from F.A. Obata, and uh, it ended up proving to be costly. But still, overall, the commander's defense is in a pretty good place right now. Remember how bad the defense was in the loss at the Detroit Lions in Week 2? The defense has been a lot better since then. All right, time now to talk college football week six. Uh, We on Saturday had a tough loss for Maryland, embarrassing losses for Virginia Tech and Virginia, but also a stunning offensive performance by Navy in a win and impressive wins again for Liberty and James Madison. We begin with Maryland. It fell to four and two overall and one and two in the Big Ten, a 31-29 loss to Purdue at CQ Stadium in College Park, Maryland on Saturday afternoon. The Terrapins blew a 23-17 fourth quarter lead. They allowed Purdue to score two touchdowns in a two-minute span with less than three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. There were two key moments on plays that immediately followed fourth quarter Maryland touchdowns. First of all, several highly questionable anti-Maryland officiating moments in the game. The worst moment by far came on kicker Chad Ryland's fourth quarter extra point attempt. That was blocked. Uh, That blocked extra point attempt kept the Terps lead at six points at 23-17. Now, the officials on the blocked extra point attempt missed Purdue being offside. The player who blocked the extra point attempt safety, Cam Allen, was offside. Now, I will concede, if you watch the play in slow motion, him being offside is closer than you may think. Like, watching the play in real time, it feels like there's no question that he was offside. Watching the play in slow motion, different story. But he still appeared to be offside. A flag actually was thrown late, but the flag was for an illegal forward pass by Purdue after recovering the football on the blocked extra point attempt. The flag was not for Allen being offside. So a tough break there for the Terps. We also had a killer penalty by the Terps in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I'm not going to complain about this call. Terps right tackle Delmar Glaze committed a five-yard ineligible man downfield on pass penalty that negated a game-tying two-point conversion reception by receiver Rakim Jarrett with 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter and the Terps trailing 31-29. You can't have that penalty if you're Maryland, even if the penalty didn't truly affect the outcome of the play. You know, the Terps have had a penalty problem at times this season. Maryland finished this game with nine accepted penalties for 76 yards. Uh, Terps head coach Mike Loxley during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon, not happy about the officiating. I'll say this. um, the, The block extra point had a major impact on the game. Um, it's a one-score game. It takes us into overtime. It adjusts and changes how they play the game. The illegal man down the field had no impact on the touchdown. So I'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah, the officials missing Cam Allen being offside on his block at Chad Ryland's extra point attempt was rough. And as Mike Loxley outlined, that was a game-changing play. Uh, Terps quarterback Talia Tungavailoa did have a very good game, 26-38 for 315 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. He did take three sacks, but he also had a first quarter second and two, nine-yard pistol read option touchdown run. Talia set a new school record for most career 300-yard passing games with 11. Uh, Talia had a first and 25, 68-yard touchdown bomb to tight end Corey Deitches with 14 seconds left in the second quarter. This was a tremendous play. Talia did a great job of scrambling up the pocket and throwing on the run to an open Deitches, who then dragged Purdue corner Corey Trice for 15 yards and route to the end zone. If you have not seen the highlight of this touchdown, check it out. What Deitches did on this play, awesome. Uh, Talia had a fourth quarter, third and 10, 11-yard shotgun play action touchdown pass to running back Roman Hemby on a screen. Uh, Talia had a first and 10, 18-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Corey Deitches with 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter on a great tight window throw into the end zone. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa through week six, number 28 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR for this season, 75.3 QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. So Talia has been good. Uh, The Terps' running game on Saturday afternoon was so-so, but the running backs were factors in the passing game. Running backs Antoine Littleton II, Roman Hemby, Colby McDonald, and Raymond Brown combined for 19 carries for 76 yards. But Hemby had five receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown. Brown had three receptions for 21 yards. The Terps' defense was mixed. Uh, The Terps did do a good job against the run. The Terps held Purdue running backs Devin Mockaby and Dylan Downing to combine 21 carries for just 39 yards, although each guy did have a rushing touchdown. Uh, The Terps registered five sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception. So there was a good bit to like for Maryland's defense, but the Terps allowed Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell to complete 30 of his 41 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of 73.2. And the Terps allowed O'Connell to throw for 360 yards, 8.78 yards per pass attempt, and two touchdowns. And among the killer completions, an Aiden O'Connell second and eight 56-yard shotgun completion to tight end Payne Durham with less than two and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Durham was wide open in the middle of the field and then generated massive yardage after the catch. Uh, Also, the Terps allowed Purdue to go 8-13 on third downs. Uh, It's a shame that Maryland lost this game because a win very well could have led to the Terps being ranked. They are still having a good season, but, uh, you know, they are now 1-2 in the Big Ten. Next up for the Terps at Indiana this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Virginia Tech fell to 2-4 and four overall and 1-2 in the ACC with a 45-29 loss at Pitt on Saturday. The Hokies led in the second quarter 16-7. They then lost the rest of the game 38-13. And the Hokies in this game got destroyed by Pitt running back Israel Abanacanda. What the Hokies had done to them by Israel Abanacanda, unholy and impure. Israel Abanacanda finished this game with 36 carries for 320 yards and six touchdowns. He averaged 8.89 yards per carry. Abanacanda's 320 rushing yards, a new pit single-game record, breaking the mark of 303 rushing yards that was set by running back Tony Dorsett in 1975. Abanacanda's six touchdown runs were of 38, 17, 29, 5, 10, 
180 yards. Abanacanda did all of this despite having had his right arm in a sling after Pitt's previous game, a 26-21 home loss to Georgia Tech on October 1st. Now, the Hokies did play this game without edge defender Taiwan Garbett, who, according to Hokies head coach Brent Pry during his postgame press conference, has been dealing with a nagging injury. Look, Garbett's a good player, but still, to allow Israel Abanacanda to have 36 carries for 320 yards and six touchdowns, total humiliation for the Hokies. Uh, here was Brent Pry during his postgame press conference on Saturday evening on what happened with the Hokies' run defense. I think that was a deciding factor in the game. You know, that's who they are. They want to run the football. We know that. Um, you know, they got a nice back. I don't want to take anything away from him. They got a nice front. But when, you know, we got to do a better job of coaching and playing the edge of the defense. You can't let the ball get outside you. We did that today too many times. We got to tackle better. At times we slip into this grab mode. Uh, that just doesn't work against good backs. You know, you got to get your pads down. You got to finish and get body on body. And uh, we got to make sure the way we're coaching it, these guys can can fit it because we had some misfits. You know, guys not trusting the defense and and being where they need to be in the framework of things. So we got some things to clean up there. Yeah, obviously that's a you know that one bothers me tremendously because number one, that's not who we want to be defensively, and number two, I think it was a deciding factor in the game. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Uh, Tech did hold pick quarterback Keaton Slovis to just 15 to 28 passing for 170 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. But, I mean, so what, you know? You got ravaged by Israel Abanacanda to the tune of 36 carries for 320 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, Tech quarterback and Marshall transfer Grant Wells had another underwhelming game, although Brent Pride during his postgame press conference said that Wells, quote, played his most confident game End quote. Uh, Wells completed just 25 of his 47 pass attempts. Wells, through six games this season, has a completion percentage of just 58.82. Wells, over his 47 pass attempts on Saturday, threw for just 277 yards. Wells, through six games this season, a yards per pass attempt of just 6.18. And Wells, on Saturday, just one touchdown pass versus one interception. Wells, over six games this season, a mere six touchdown passes versus seven interceptions. Uh, Wells in this game took three sacks. Wells in this game quarterback to Hokies offense that went just four of 16 on third downs. The production from Grant Wells is nowhere near good enough. Grant Wells through week six, number 88 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR for this season, 50.7. And number three, by the way, is a Tennessee quarterback and former Virginia Tech quarterback, Hendon Hooker. 90.4. And Hooker, very good once again this past Saturday as number eight Tennessee won at number 25 LSU 40-13. The Hendon-Hooker saga is a killer if you are a Virginia Tech fan. Hooker played quite a bit for the Hokies in the 2019 and 2020 seasons. The results were mixed. Hooker in January 2021 announced that he was transferring to Tennessee and he over the last two seasons has been excellent for the Volunteers. I mean, how painful is it as a Tech fan to see Hendon Hooker thriving at Tennessee while the Hokies have struggled so much at the quarterback position? 
over the last two seasons. Uh, a bright spot for the Hokies in their loss at Pitt on Saturday was their running game. A running back, Malachi Thomas, made his 2022 season debut of having missed Tech's first five games of the season due to injury. 15 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. It was very nice to have Thomas back. Uh, running back Keyshawn King had five carries for 26 yards and a touchdown. We did see some Beamer ball in this game. Uh, the Hokies had an early fourth quarter block punt that they recovered in the end zone for a touchdown, though the block punt was the result of pit punter Sam Vanderhoor uh, dropping the snap. Uh, but Tech also in this game, eight accepted penalties for 74 yards. I mean, this just isn't a good Virginia Tech team. Brent Pry has a lot of work to do. Next up for the Hokies, homecoming home to Miami this Saturday afternoon at 12.30. Well, we had homecoming for Virginia this past Saturday afternoon, and the result was not good. Uh, Virginia fell to 2-4 and four overall and 0-3 oh and in the ACC with a 34-17 loss to Louisville at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Cavaliers did win the first quarter 10-0, got off to a nice start, but the Cavs then lost the rest of the game 34-7. And the Wahoos lost despite catching a major break. Louisville star quarterback Malik Cunningham did not play in the game due to being in concussion protocol. But the Who's defense ended up being a big disappointment. The Who's, even with Cunningham not playing in the game, allowed Louisville to score 34 points, put up 473 total net yards of offense, averaged 6.2 yards per play, and go 8-15 on third downs. So the Who's allowed Louisville backup quarterback Brock Doman, who was making his first collegiate start, to average 9.17 yards per pass attempt and have nine carries for 71 yards, including a second quarter, fourth and two, 44-yard shotgun read option touchdown run. The Hoos did hold Doman to just 17 of 30 passing, but he over his 17 completions threw for 275 yards. That works out to a whopping 16.18 yards per completion. Uh, the Hoos did have two interceptions, but the Who's also had no sacks. Uh, as for the Cavs' starting quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, who has been having a rather difficult season off a terrific 2021 season, well, he did have his first 300-yard passing game in six games this season, but he still ultimately had a rough game. Uh, Armstrong had a lost fumble, threw two interceptions, and took six sacks. Uh, the lost fumble was brutal. First quarter, second and six at the Louisville 28, with the Cavs leading 10-0. Armstrong, a 10-yard shotgun scramble on which he did a great job of evading pressure, but then lost the football and being tackled at the Louisville 18. So think about it. Instead of a red zone possession for the Cavs while leading 10-0, Louisville got the ball back, went on to win the rest of the game 34-7. Uh, Armstrong did complete 24 of his 34 pass attempts, did throw for 313 yards, did have a touchdown pass and a touchdown run. The touchdown pass was good. A first quarter, third and 11, 40-yard shotgun touchdown bomb to receiver Dontavian Wicks on a free play due to a Louisville penalty. So it certainly wasn't all bad from Brendan Armstrong, but there still was too much bad. Uh, UVA's running game did nothing in this game. Running backs Paris Jones, Xavier Brown, and Mike Hollins combined for 11 carries for 13 yards. Yes, 11 carries for 13 yards. And UVA again had a penalty problem. Eight accepted penalties for 66 yards. Just as things are not going well for Virginia Tech under its new head coach, Brent Pry, things are not going well for Virginia under its new head coach, Tony Elliott. His postgame press conferences are becoming these like dissertations on the state of the program and what's wrong with it. Here was some of Elliott's postgame presser on Saturday afternoon. I'm building a program. Right? I'm building a program, and guys are going to run on and off the field. Right? We're going to have an appreciation. 
when we go to eat as a team, and I told the guys in the locker room, if we go to eat as a team, you're going to clean up after yourself. It's nobody else's job to clean up after yourself. And that's where we got to grow because then you know what? It creates an appreciation, okay? And once you have an appreciation, then now you can transition to be internally motivated, not externally motivated, right? Because you know the game is long, right? Energy is going to fade, right? From the stands, from the music, from all that stuff's going to fade. What are you going to draw on, right? It's that internal motivation, and it starts with an appreciation and a belief, you know, and a belief. And in that belief, you make a decision. And that's what we've been talking about with this football team. There's a lot of expectations, right? I have expectations. They have expectations. The fans have expectations. The administration has expectations of this program. But before you can reach your expectations, it starts with a decision, right? You got to decide to be successful. And you got to decide that every single play, you're going you're gonna to play to win that you're not going to take a playoff, right? That you're going to decide that our core values, right, running on and off the field, dressing like a team, right, being, being disciplined, which we're not doing a great job of right now, uh, ultimately that's what we're playing for. And so i got to do a better job as, as the head football coach of making sure that that is clear within the organization. And that's what we coach to, and that's the standard that we, uh, that we practice to. Uh, and that's what and either we're going to coach it or we're going to allow it. That's what I learned from Coach Sweeney, right? And so there's some things right now, right, that are being allowed that we gotta, we got to we got to eliminate. Yeah, I mean, for the Who's to lose by 17 points at home to a mediocre at best Louisville team that was without its starting quarterback, not a good look. Uh, next up for Virginia at Georgia Tech, but not until Thursday night, October 20th. So Maryland, Virginia Tech, and Virginia all lost on Saturday, but Navy did not lose. Navy won. And how about what the midshipmen did? They improved to 2-3 and three overall and 2-1 and one in the American Athletic Conference with a 53-21 win over Tulsa at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday. Here's all that you need to know. The mids during their 1-3 and three start to this season scored a total of just 53 points, and six of those points were overtime points. The mids in this game this past Saturday scored 53 points. Yes, Navy in this game scored as many points as Navy had scored the entire season up until this game. And the number one reason for that, Navy's rushing offense, which was dominant in a game for the first time this season. This is what we have been waiting to see from Navy's offense. The mids in this blowout of Tulsa on Saturday, 69 carries for 455 yards and five touchdowns. The mids averaged 6.59 yards per carry. Uh, fullback Dava Fofana, 21 carries for 159 yards and three touchdowns. Slotback Vincent Terrell Jr., 17 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. Receiver Nathan Kent, two carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. The mids won the time of possession battle by 20 minutes 52 seconds. Like, this is Navy football. You know, this is the Navy offense that we became accustomed to during the great run of 15 winning seasons in 17 years from 2003 through 2019. Uh, Navy won despite quarterback Ty Lovatai not really doing much in terms of impressive numbers. Went just one to six passing for nine yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions. He had just six carries for 12 yards and he didn't get sacked. So it's not like lost yardage on sacks damaged his rushing yardage total. But, you know, Lovatai did operate the offense well. I mean, again, maybe in this game, 69 carries for 455 and five touchdowns. And Navy's defense was good. The Mids generated four turnovers, three interceptions, and a fumble recovery. The Mids generated a safety. Uh, the Mids held Tulsa to just three of 10 
on third downs. Did allow Tulsa quarterback Davis Brin to average 9.16 yards per pass attempt and have two touchdown passes. But overall, very nice performance by Navy off a tough 13-10 loss at Air Force on October 1st. Here was the Mids head coach, Ken Niamatololo, during a sports game press conference on Saturday evening. Very proud of our young men um, to bounce back after a devastating loss. I mean, we, we gave everything. We laid everything on the field at Colorado Springs and came up, you know, three points short, you know, to fly back home. I mean, our, we, our, we were devastated. But to the credit of the character of these young men, the resolve, the grit of the type of young men and young women that are here at the Naval Academy, our kids battled, man. And that's a good football team. I mean, they, they played Cincinnati tough, played Ole Miss tough. I mean, they're, they're a good football team. and just proud of the way we played. It was a great team win. Um, defense played well. Offense played well. Special teams, just a great overall win and just just feel good to finally get on track offensively. And um, just proud of our guys. Just proud of them. Like I said, I, I, you always get concerned after the Service Academy game. Just you put so much into it. I mean, it's everything. You just give every ounce of fiber and resolve that you have to win that game. When we come up short, you don't know how you're going to respond. Well, that's probably a lie. I know how our kids will respond. They're tough kids, resilient kids, and just really, really proud of them. Yeah, excellent work by Navy. Next up for Navy at SMU this Friday night at 7.30. Also, Liberty improved a 5-1 with a 42-24 win at UMass on Saturday, despite the Flames being down to their third-string quarterback. Uh, the guy who was supposed to be Liberty's starting quarterback this season, Charlie Brewer, uh, he has been out since suffering a broken hand in Liberty's season opener. Uh, the Flames QB2, Caden Salter, he was out for this game at UMass due to a groin injury. And so third-string quarterback Jonathan Bennett was Liberty's starting quarterback. He completed just nine of his 18 pass attempts, but he threw for 183 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions, and had nine carries for 50 yards. Next up for Liberty, home to Gardner-Webb this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. And James Madison, the Dukes, uh, they improved to 5-0 and overall and 3-0 and in the Sunbelt Conference, a 42-20 win at the Red Wolves of Arkansas State on Saturday night. JMU totaled 598 total net yards of offense, averaged 7.5 yards per play. Quarterback Todd Centeo, another big game, 28-37, for 394 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took no sacks. He had four carries for 10 yards. Todd Santeo through week six, number 13 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR for this season, 80.7. Uh, running back Percy Ajay Obasay, 21 carries for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Next up for JMU at Georgia Southern this Saturday afternoon at four. Do you know that James Madison through week six is number 13 in the FBS in overall team efficiency per ESPN for this season? Number 13 and JMU is number one in the FBS in defensive efficiency per ESPN. Uh, what a season for the Duke so far. And they now are ranked for the first time in school history. JMU is in the Associated Press Top 25. <laughs> yeah, JMU is in the AP Top 25. The latest rankings came out on Sunday. And James Madison, the Dukes of James Madison, 
the number 25 team in the country in the latest AP poll. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 418. We'll have a lot more on the commanders of them falling to one and four with their 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we On Monday, we'll have the day after the game press conference of commanders head coach Ron Rivera. We'll hopefully get more on the benching of corner William Jackson, the third in this game. And what now for the Commanders? Uh, remember, short week, the Commanders are at the 2-3 and three Chicago Bears this Thursday night at 8-15. Hang in there. <laughs> we are all in this together. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Ron, earlier in the game, it looked like you guys might have moved on from William Jackson. What was your thinking there, and could you kind of take us through that situation? Well, we just decided to make a change. And, and why was that? Because we decided to.